What's up, fam? How y'all doing? Uh, it's good to be with y'all. We are. I just found out. It doesn't. Never mind. I say y'all, and I'm not from the South, and somebody's pointed it out to me. I feel like I've been identifying as a person who's a Southerner for all these years. And I'm from downtown Salt Lake City, born and raised, and somehow I got my mama's Southern drawl. Uh, I've inherited that. Hey, that's on brand, because that's what we're going to be talking about this evening. Hey, welcome to the Rock Church. Pastor Brian here. If you got your Bibles, please open them to Romans chapter 5. Our verses today are verses 12 through 21. And as you get there, if you don't have your Bible, it's okay. There's verses on the handout that you were handed. You could take that as well. They'll also be on the screen. We take good care of y'all, okay? Um, As you get there, let me just go ahead and ask you, if you had to pick the two most influential people, two people on this planet in history and time and space who have had the greatest impact on the history of our world, who would you pick? Jesus is number one always. Good job. Y'all went to Sunday school at least once. Number two, though, who would you go up to bat next to Jesus, most influential? The Holy Spirit is a person, true, but that's not what we're going for. Amen. Not in the triune God era. Okay, let's go down. Billy Graham. All right, you guys are cheating. You're looking at your verses. That is right. If you did not know, the Bible says that next to Jesus, the person who's had the most impact on humanity ever is Adam. Furthermore, (laughs) uh, our verses today are going to demonstrate just that, that all of mankind, every person who has ever lived or will live is going to be and is represented by one of these two people, Adam or the God-man Jesus Christ. So right off the bat, I'll go ahead and ask you the million-dollar question. Oh, yeah, your sermon this weekend is called Two Representatives. Who represents you? One of these two people represents you today. Today we're going to see that Adam has done something that has affected and continues to affect every single person that has ever lived. Equally to, Jesus has done something that has affected and continues to affect every person who has ever believed. And so my hope today is that every single one of you under my voice would bank on the latter Jesus. You would find all of your hope and your confidence in the work of our perfect representative, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for your word. Your word is truth. It is good for us. Father, I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit this evening, this weekend, that you would speak through me, that, Lord, that your sons and your daughters, they would hear from you. They would hear from your word. They would see Jesus as so much better in every way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for stepping into humanity to represent us and save us from our sin and misery and ruin. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. All right, your first big idea this weekend, talking about Adam and Jesus. First point, the work of Adam brings sin and death. Verse 12, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin. So we're going to be chilling on this verse for quite a while. (laughs) So trust me, in about 20 minutes, you're going to go, wow, we're still here, okay? 
that's your pastor's fault. Uh, give me less verses. All right. Um, so before we get into this contrast between the work of Jesus and the work of Adam, uh, it's going to be good for us. We're going to see that in verses 15 and on. But it's good for us right now to take a moment because Paul, the Apostle Paul, wants us to stop for a moment and consider the origins of sin and rebellion and the fall and judgment and the origins of mankind back in the garden. The first thing that Paul does to bring it back, he brings us back not to the beginning of Romans. He's bringing us all the way back to Genesis, okay? We're talking about Adam, a human being who God created. Sin came into the world through this one man. So this one man God has created, and everything was good. Adam, no problems, no lower back pain, no stress, no worries. He was just fully made in the image of God to know God and to enjoy him. And it was awesome for a minute. But we're going back to the beginning for a moment. We're talking about Adam. So your first sub point under your first big idea is that Christian, do you believe that Adam was a real historical person? Paul sure seems to believe that. The history of humanity, sin, and death all comes through a real man in a real time and real space in our world's history. His name was Adam, and it was a garden. And this is what we believe about Scripture. This is what Scripture makes absolutely clear for us, that Adam is a real historical person. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says it even more clearly. He says, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Additionally, when we look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself in Luke chapter 3, his descent, he descends from a legacy of real human beings like Jacob and Abraham, Noah, all the way down to this first human being, Adam. Then you can go to Mark chapter 10. Jesus himself affirms the origin of creation and God creating mankind, Adam and Eve. He believes Genesis is real historical account, Jesus Then you can go to Matthew chapter 19. Jesus confirms the biblical covenant of marriage that's instituted between a man and a woman, a real man named Adam and a real wife named Eve back in the garden. Additionally, the Apostle Paul's letters here in Romans and here in Ephesians and what else? In 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul believes that Adam is a real historical person and the representative of mankind. And it is crucial for us to have a proper understanding of our origins. When we're talking about the doctrine of sin and ruin and misery and death and why that's in the world, if we're having any proper understanding of the gospel at all, we have to have a proper understanding of our origins. And there's a concern in the Christian church. There are many professing Christians who would not agree with Paul on that. They would not agree with Jesus. They would say, Adam, Eve, That story, the serpent, the tree. Now, that's just kind of a metaphorical story. That's just an allegorical tale. But I don't think reading God's word allows for you to say that. Because here's the thing. If somebody is to tag out of origins, when God's like, "Here's, here's my word. Every word of God proves true. If God's like, here's origins. And if we tag out at Genesis chapters one through three, and we go like, no, maybe that's, I think that's just more fictional. Then my question is, when do you tag back in? Which chapter do you tag back in and decide that this is now historical? This is real. I'll let you chew on that on your way home. That's free. 
But the purpose of Paul bringing Adam here to the table is for us to have a right and proper understanding of sin and origins and why we are here and why is the world the way that it is and how is Adam's sin and tainted and ruined everything. It's so vital for us to understand origins, the doctrine of sin, our sin nature, if we were to have any proper understanding of the gospel at all. Consider the entire work of Jesus Christ. His perfect life and obedience is emphatically tied to the reality that sin and death This problem that Adam brought into our world is reality. Sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin. We're talking about sin and death. We're not talking about feelings or opinions. We're talking about sin and death. The historical Jesus Christ does not come to die a physical death, to really die for an allegorical and symbolical tale about your sin. Christ does not come to save us from a metaphorical sin problem. The whole redemptive story of God hinges on the reality that Adam was a real person who God created, and he really sinned against a real holy God, and he brought real sin and death into our world. And Jesus is the real God-man who really lived a sinless life and really died a sacrificial death and really rose from the grave to bring you real salvation and eternal life. Like, that's for real. Amen? Amen. So God created Adam in real time, in real space, on our planet. And in that moment when God created Adam, he became the representative of the entire human race. God said, be fruitful and multiply. Make more people in my image who are just beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made and you will lack nothing and there will be joy and peace and happiness and you'll be in presence with God forever. It kind of sounds like heaven, doesn't it? Spoiler alert, if you haven't made it to the end of this book, it's going to be great. But is that how the story goes? We all lived happily ever after. No, not yet. You see, Adam chose to disobey. He chose to sin against God. And in that moment, sin enters our world. And in that moment, Adam's choice changed the course and the nature of humanity. And you, your life, through his disobedience, sin enters our world. It has invaded. It has contaminated It has disrupted his life, but not just his life and his fellowship with God, but also his wife Eve and every single child that came after them leading up to me and you. We've inherited this. This is what we would call the doctrine of sin, right? We have a sin nature. Sin came into the world through one man. And you and I all sin because we are in Adam. This is what the Bible talks about when it says that Adam is our representative. I think that's your next big idea, right? Adam was our representative in the garden. Likewise, Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, For as in Adam all die. So you and I share in something. We've inherited something with Adam. We belong to him. We are descendants of Adam. We are in him. He represents us, and what he chose was sin. And I don't get the pleasure of unpacking the doctrine of federal headship today. And I know everybody's like, aw, federal headship. 
But what that most simply means is that Scripture says that you and I, we are in Adam, like Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 15, and in Adam all die. That Adam is our representative. Now, what does a representative mean? I think most of you would be able to answer this. For example, if you get yourself in some trouble, you want to hire yourself the best lawyer to represent you in the court of law. Or in the Olympics, they get the best people in your country to represent your country. Or politics, right? Every four years, we vote for the best person to represent our country. And then I let you guys fight over it for the next four years until the next time. But typically, we like to pick the best person to represent us, right? Now, did you know the Bible, throughout Scripture, God has had a pattern that he's always dealt with his people through representatives. Did you know that? I'll give you a few examples. Moses was to represent God's people as he led them out of slavery in Egypt and through the wilderness. Abraham represented a chosen nation. He was the father of the faith. Or you can go to the high priest who represented sinful people on behalf of a holy God. We had kings after kings who represented God's people, and he was to hold the covenant between God. So God often throughout Scripture, he's always choosing someone to represent a whole. In the garden, Adam was chosen. God created Adam to represent humanity. Now, unfortunately, he did not do a very good job. And that's a problem that arises for us internally when someone is chosen to represent us and they do a poor job. Case in point, politics, right? Or, say, for example, your leader in your, in your country decides to go to war against another country, whether you're for it or against it, guess what? You're at war. Your country is in war. Or your favorite sports team, they lose a game, right? You weren't on the field, you contributed nothing, but you lost with them, right? Broncos fans, you know how it feels, right? Broncos fans, you know, we, can, we sympathize with you and your weakness. When Adam sinned, because he represented us, we inherit we receive what Adam did in that moment. And that punishment for his sin is judgment, spiritual and physical separation and death. This is what it means when we say that we've inherited this sin nature. It's been passed down to all of us. And I know we are hit with the thought immediately that says, that's not fair. That does not seem right to be lumped up into Adam's mess. Oh, and by the way, I wasn't even there. Maybe possibly even further, you have the thought, well, hold on, hold on, hold your horses, Lord. If you would have chosen me to represent humanity in the garden, I would have done a much better job. Anybody have the audacity to stand and say that? It sounds reasonable in our puny little brains, but what we don't realize when we're saying things like that, when we're, we're not just criticizing our first father, Adam, we're actually criticizing our heavenly father, God. So before we say that we'd have done a better job than Adam, we need to remember that there is no one God could have chosen to better represent a humanity than him. Actually, God didn't choose Adam to represent us. God created Adam to represent us. You would not have done a better job. Furthermore, I know we don't like it when someone who does a bad job represents us, but isn't it true that we as Christians, our greatest hope and joy in this life and the next is that Jesus came into the world and he stepped onto the cross to represent us, amen? So we've inherited a sin nature through Adam. Everybody say, thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Hold on, it gets worse. 
We're not just sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. Again, we're still on verse 12. Again, if y'all want me to go faster, give me less verses, okay? Death spread to all men because all sin. Just think about that. Before we get too hung up on this about Adam representing me or not, this verse says we aren't just sinners by nature. We are sinners by choice. You can go ahead and write your name there, right? Death spread to all men because all sin. Go ahead and write death spread to Larry because Larry sinned. Romans 3, again, like we read a few weeks ago, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So before we say something like, oh, I would do a better job, I would have obeyed better, let's just be honest. I know you, and you know you, and you know me. No, we would not. We would do exactly what Adam chose to do. I love what John Stott says. He says, you, we cannot point the finger at Adam in self-righteous innocence, for we share in his guilt. He perfectly represented us in the garden. He did exactly what you and I would have done. Whether we were there or not, we share in the same guilt. And if you need more evidence, just look. We've been doing the same thing ever since. Listen, I'll be real with y'all, okay? I I can't even be in the same room with one of those boxes of red vines without making poor decisions. You get me around smothered burritos or you get me around coffee. Man, just give me like a drip. Just hook it to my vein. I'll just walk around. You just give me a drip system with coffee. Like the audacity for me, for any of us to think that there would be this fruit. There'd be this fruit that was delicious and it would be desirous and it makes one wise. What if I eat from it? It gives me knowledge. What? So it makes me smarter and not run up and eat 27 of those. (laughs) Hypothetically. Let's say it took Adam 20 minutes before he chose to sin and rebel against God. You and I on our best day would have lasted maybe 20 seconds, if we're honest. I love what Shailen says. I was going to wrap this song for you, but I won't because we don't have enough time. But he says this. This is your homework. Shailen, great teacher, uh, hip-hop lyricist, author, awesome in his song, An Adam All Die. He says, instead of saying, if you were there, what you would do, how about we just seek our refuge in Adam number two? I love that. When we rightly understand that Adam represents us, it carries profound spiritual and theological implications for us. When we see that his choice reflects my choice, his relationship being severed with God reflects my relationship with God that has been severed. His sin has been passed down to me and you. We've inherited it. It's like genetics, right? Consider your DNA. Right? You are made up and compromised of two people who represent you. We call them mommy and daddy or your birth parents. You've inherited physical traits from your parents, like your eye color and your blood type. And oftentimes, the things have been passed down to you, like heart disease or cystic fibrosis, these things that sometimes it doesn't seem fair. Like, I am pretty bummed that I'm not six foot three and I have green eyes and that I can't grow a mustache. That's not fair, but genetics says, I'm sorry, Bubba, that's your lot. I didn't ask for this, but in the same way, just like we've inherited physical traits from our parents through our DNA, we've inherited a sin nature through Adam. That's what it means that we've inherited, that we share, we are in him. But again, in the same way, the gospel we believe proclaims that we inherit a righteousness from Christ through faith. Now, I might go a little bit faster now. We'll see. 
Uh, Paul continues in verse 13 and 14. Yeah, okay. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. So there could be people who would say, well, Adam sinned, but then God didn't give the law to let us know we were sinners until Moses. So there's this big gap in time where people were just free to sin. He's going, no, 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 no. People were, you know, people were dying in between that, right? Like sin, the result of sin is death, like we just read in verse 12. So in case anybody was like, well, hold on. So that means people got a hall pass? No. And we've already gone through that through Romans. Anyways, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was the type of the one who was to come. So again, with or without the law, after Adam or before Moses, mankind still sinned, and the result of sin was separation and death, okay? Because death reigns. That's what it says here in verse 14. Death reigns. Think about that. The effect of Adam's choice in the garden is massive, Because of his choice, sin and ruin and death, it reigns over our world. This is not the way it's supposed to be. So when you think of every disease, every cancer, every disaster, a child born with a disability or a baby who doesn't come home from the hospital or every sexual sin or rape or murder or divorce or just war and abuse, all of these things have a beginning. Everything that has gone wrong in our world has a beginning. Death reigns in our life. All of creation is groaning and longing for our rescued, which is found in Jesus Christ. And this is where it comes. Look at the end of verse 14. This is what the apostle Paul is saying. Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Obviously, the one meaning Jesus, right? You guys got that? Now, what does that mean? That Jesus is a type of someone to come. Now, in the Bible, we have things that are often called types and shadows. What that means is that there are symbols, there are people, and there are places, and there are things in the Bible that actually point and have a greater fulfillment in other things like Jesus Christ. For example, the Ark of Noah. Did you know that that is a type of Jesus? Think about this. Noah said, come to this big old wooden ark come to the ark and live, reject it, and die. Jesus Christ on the cross, come to the cross and live, reject it, and die. Jonah was in the belly of a fish for three days. What did Jesus say? So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth where the sacrificial lamb that was offered up to atone, to temporarily cover, for God to overlook the sins of his people is a type, it is a shadow that finds its ultimate fulfillment in the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world forever. All over scripture, you can go to the temple and to Moses and David and Solomon. Over and over, we see in scripture that there are these people and there are these places and there are these things that are actually a type and they are a shadow that are actually pointing to something greater. Paul is saying here, Adam is a type. He's pointing us to someone greater, Jesus. So now how though? Because like we're talking, how is Adam like Jesus where like Adam just kind of blew it in so many ways? How could they even be on the same page? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is what we're going to unpack for the rest of our time. I want you to notice that just like Adam 
represented a people. So does Jesus, right? Just like Adam has done something and the result of what he has done has an impact on people. In the same way, Jesus has come and he has done something and the effect and the impact of that on people. So let's look at some of the contrasts between what Adam has done for those who are in him and what Christ has done for those who are in him. That's our next big idea. The work of Adam brings sin and death, but the work of Jesus Christ brings righteousness and life. And I'll break these down into four ways. I'm sure you could break them down into more, but it's going to be trespass or gift, judgment or justification, disobedience and obedience, death or life. So first, Adam gives the trespass and Jesus gives the gift. Verse 15. But, just notice this, the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation or judgment. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So the result of the trespass, what Adam does, sin, separation, judgment, guilt, Death. We have unpacked this enough. Amen. Everybody say thanks, Adam. Everybody say thanks, me. <laughs> but to me, it feels like when I'm reading, when you just read through Romans, just bam, 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 and then you get here, it's like right here in chapter five, there's just this huge crescendo, man. Or if you're a metal guy, it's like a breakdown, just right, boom, right here. It's so awesome. In those five times in these verses, Paul is telling us about this free gift. You remember Pastor Josh last week, that benefit package, how awesome this is? What we get in Jesus, this free gift. Just look at these verses. Look back at verse 1. We've been justified by faith. Peace with God. Verse 2, obtained access by faith. I can, I can approach God with grace. I have hope in glory. Look at verse 5. God's love has been poured into my heart. The Holy Spirit has been given to you. For six, we, while we were still sinners, when we were in Adam, Christ dies for you. Verse 9, we are justified by his blood. We are saved from God's wrath. Verse 10, we were enemies of God, and now we are reconciled. We are friends of God. We have been saved. We've received reconciliation. Verse 11, these, it's just beautiful. That's the free gift. The free gift is not like the trespass. That is what Paul is trying to make so clear. Do you see it? What Adam has done is not good. What Christ has done is good. What Christ has given you is so much greater. His free gift, so much better than what Adam has given you in his trespass. Amen? Amen. So much better. Next, Adam's judgment and Jesus' justification. 
verse 16 again. For the judgment, notice that, judgment following one trespass, Adam, what he's done, brought you, brought me condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Now jump ahead to verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. That's beautiful. That is such good news. Now hold on. Did verse 18 just say everybody's going to be saved? (laughs) One act of righteousness leads to justification of life for all men. No, no, no. You got to take that in contents. Look at the verse before, verse 17. Who is this all? It is those who receive the overflow of grace and the free gift, okay? So just, as a verse confuses you, just read the verse before it. It'll usually answer it for you, okay? You're welcome. That was free. Okay. Um, for those who are in Adam, we receive judgment and condemnation. But for those who are in Jesus, the second Adam, Scripture calls him, we receive this free gift, and it brings justification. Now, you may be asking, what is justification? And I'll be like, haven't you been at church for the last 16 weeks? We've talked about it a whole lot. But one more time, look back at verse 9. We have been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved by him from God's wrath? So in God's court of law, there is a penalty and there is a judgment that we deserve for sinning against him. Justification means that Jesus steps in As our representative, he takes the wrath of God, the punishment, the fine, the penalty that we owe. Jesus steps in as our representative, pays it in full, and on the cross he says, it is finished. So now you and I can approach God with confidence because our debt has been paid, the beef has been squashed, we have been redeemed and reconciled. We call this justification by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not anything we've done, but what Christ has done for us. The better representative. What Jesus Christ has done for you by his justifying work on the cross is so much better than what Adam has done for you by his trespass in the garden. So next, Romans 5, 19. We look, notice here, Adam's disobedience or Christ's obedience. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Just think about the contrast, right? Adam's disobedience, totally selfish. Jesus' obedience is totally selfless. Adam's disobedience separates us from God. Jesus' obedience reconciles us to God. Adam's disobedience brings sin and death to all, and Jesus Christ's obedience brings righteousness and life to all. Adam brings shame and guilt and hiding from God. But Jesus' obedience brings confidence to approach God. The act of Adam's sin is powerful. It's devastating. It's catastrophic. It's the same for us, beloved. The the result, our sin and our disobedience towards God, it's powerful towards one another. It's, It's catastrophic. But the act of another man's obedience, Jesus, is so much more powerful than all of your disobedience. All of it. For 33 years, the entire life of Jesus Christ was lived in perfect obedience for his sake, for his father's sake, for your sake. Perfect obedience. Philippians 2 says the humility of Christ, that he became a servant. He humbled himself to the point of death. Obedience for your sake. 
in every way, what Jesus Christ has done is so amazing. What he has done through his obedience is so much greater than what you and or Adam could ever have done through our disobedience. Verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So verse 20 is Paul reaffirming everything that we've read through Romans 1 through 3. The law does not save anyone from their sin problem. Going to church, cleaning yourself up, ignoring God, denying God, none of that's going to do you well. The law. The law shows us we're guilty. It increases the reality of our need for a Savior, but it is absolutely powerless to save you. Only, our sin can only be defeated by grace. Let me say that again. Your sin will only be defeated by grace. And so is our last thought here. Adam brings death, but Jesus brings life. We saw this in verse 17. Death reigned through one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace through the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Christ Jesus. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Romans 5 ends here, and it just gives us this incredible overview of how sin has entered into our world, and it's contaminated and is affected, and it has altered everything, everyone, and only the grace of God can overcome it. Again, the contrast, Adam's sin ushers in this reign of death. Sin and death spreads to all. That is the reality that every person in this room faces. However, in Christ Jesus, his obedience leads to this reign of eternal life. These verses are just incredible. We get this whole story of redemption, of fallen Adam to the victory in the second Adam. Everything Jesus Christ has done is so much better than everything Adam could do or everything you and I have ever done. So we will end right where we began. Who represents you today? There's two people. Adam represents a fallen humanity, and Jesus Christ represents a new humanity. Right now, every person in this room under my voice on this planet falls into one of these camps. Who represents you? You are either going to be represented by Adam or Jesus Christ. Now, Christian, what's our response here? I want to assure you, for all of you who are in Christ, you are justified and you are forgiven. When we have come to the foot of the cross to trust in Jesus with our life, with our sin, that reign of sin and death no longer has power over you, Christian. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are not a slave to the grave. Everything that once represented you being an Adam, it is no more. Christ is your representative. 
Sin has lost all power, all power over you. Death has lost all power over you. The moment you came to faith in Jesus, who represents you? Jesus is so much better. Christian, do we, do we believe that? Or should the response be, do we live like this? Do we live like sin and death has no power over you? Do you live in that grace that reigns through righteousness? To our shame, we often live like we are still just an Adam, right? Never more than our past mistakes. We just kind of live under this. Like, I'm just waiting the day when Jesus returns, which is true, but we don't live like he's with us now. We live like we're still an Adam. And I know it's been a while. You're like, when's he going to talk about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? Well, it's been a minute, so. <laughs> Y'all know the story about Charlie Bucket. He lives in a shack with his grandparents, and they share a bed. And don't even get me started on Grandpa Joe. Man, that guy's, a, <laughs> that guy's awful. Sits on his butt all day until he gets a free pass to the Chocolate Factory. Come on, Gramps. Um, anyways, spoiler alert, if you've not seen the movie, it's like 50 years old now. Um, <laughs> Willy Wonka gives this boy the entire factory. It's just his now. So does Charlie run back home to just continue living his life in that shack? Why would he do that? That's not his home anymore. That home, you, you go to that house, you'll never see Charlie. Charlie Bucket don't live there no more. Christian, do we live like we still live in the shack with the roof falling off of it? When Jesus says, hey, that's not, you don't live there anymore. No, we're going home. Follow me. We're at home. There's a new place. We're going home. Christian, we could live like that today. Grace reigns through righteousness leading to eternal life. You possess eternal life, Christian. Did you know that? You, you, you possess it. Jesus is taking you there. Live like that today. For those of you who don't know Jesus in this way, my friend, listen to me. If Jesus is not your Lord, then um, you're still dead to your sin. You're a slave to sin. You are in Adam. He represents you. And that is not a good man to represent you before the throne of God, okay? Because he is dead and he's been judged. And you're going to stand before the throne of God alone, just you and Jesus. Who's going to represent you then? And that's a scary thought, and I want you to think about it. Because I want you to think about how good this is, that no matter how much sin and how much baggage and how much shame you've got hanging over you like a black cloud, listen to me, I want you to understand something, that your disobedience is never greater than his obedience for you. Jesus Christ invites you to him today. Your failures, they will never be more massive than Christ's perfection for you, that he lived for you. He invites you to him today. Your fears are never more intense than his comfort. And he invites you to come to him today. I love what Sinclair Ferguson says. There is more grace in Christ than there is sin in you. Isn't that the truth? So who represents you? Will you stand alone, guilty, and condemned, judged, sinful, separated from God forever? Or will Jesus Christ represent you, justified, redeemed, reconciled, forgiven, a friend of God, in Christ forever?
May we all choose to embrace Jesus. Turn to Jesus, the one who has come to reverse everything that Adam did and the one who daily transforms us to be more like him every day. The second Adam, Jesus Christ, is better in every way. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this free gift. Lord, when we look at the life of Adam, we look at these verses here, sin, death, sin, death, sin, transgression, died, trespass, judgment, sin, trespass, condemnation, death. But then, Jesus, we see you, free gift, grace, free gift, grace, Jesus Christ, free gift, free gift, justification, abundance of grace, free gift, righteousness, life. Oh, Jesus, everything about you is so much better. We love you. We thank you. We worship you. Lord, would you help us to live in this grace of righteousness that leads to eternal life daily. When we stop living like Adam and continue to walk in faith with you, we would walk in the abundance of life found in you because that is who we are. Lord, we need your help to believe that. We need your help to do that. So we ask for your help, Jesus, that you would help us today to walk and live in more of your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify us in your truth. Remind us moment by moment, Jesus, that who we were is not who we are, but who we are in you is everything. And it is final. Jesus, you are so much better. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.